Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your hosts, Daniel and Eduardo, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. Hello. Let me see you talk. Check, check, check. We are rolling. Cool. This is a big one. All right. Um, just making sure I got everything set here. All right. Welcome to the Now Self Podcast. I'm Eduardo. I'm here with Daniel. Hello. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to go ahead and jump into the third labor of Hercules. But before we get into that, we're going to present to you the actual myth as told by Alice Bailey. And so, you know, while we've been breaking down these labors, I know that a lot of people are sort of curious as to how it relates to the astrological sign that we later in the episode break down. And so what we thought we'd do here is read off the entire myth as told by Alice Bailey. So that way we can all have the same lens as the one that Alice Bailey presents through this story. Because if you haven't heard the story before, um, or you have heard the story before, you know, it's told um, in different ways. Even in Greek mythology, it's sort of broken down into two, two, two to three different versions, I believe, on how um, Hercules goes about this labor and how he encounters all the things he's going to face along the way in order to uh, prevail. And so for now, we'll start with the story of the third labor of Hercules with Hesperides and the Golden Apples. Um, so here we go. The myth told by Alice Bailey, the gathering of the golden apples of Asperides. The great presiding one within the council chamber of the Lord had watched the labors of the son of man who is a son of God. He and the teachers saw the third great gate opening before the son of man, revealing a new chance to tread the way. They noted how the laborer rose and prepared to enter on his task. Send out the word to guard the sacred tree. Let Hercules unfold the power to search without discouragement, deception, or too great a speed. Let perseverance now be called upon. He has done well so far, and thus the word went forth. Far in a distant country grew the sacred tree, the tree of wisdom, and on it grew the golden apples of Hesperides. The fame of these sweet fruits had gone to distant lands, and all the sons of men who knew themselves to be likewise the sons of God desired them. Hercules, too, knew of these fruits, and when the word went forth to seek for them, he sought the teacher, asking him the way to go and find the sacred tree so he could pick the apples. Tell me the way, O teacher of my soul. I seek the apples, and I need them quickly for my use. Show me the quickest way, and I will go. Not so, my son, replied the teacher. The way is long. Two things alone I will confide to you, and then it is for you to prove the truth of what I say. Remember that the sacred tree is guarded well. Three maidens fair cherish the tree, protecting well its fruit. A dragon with one hundred heads protects the maidens and the tree. Guard thyself well from strength too great for thee, from wiles too subtle 
for thy comprehension. Watch well. The second thing that I would say to thee is that thy search will carry thee where five great tests will meet thee on the way. Each will afford thee scope for wisdom, understanding, skill, and opportunity. Watch well. I fear, my son, that you will fail to recognize these points upon the way, but time alone will show God speed thee in thy search. With confidence because success nor failure held for him a claim, Hercules went forth upon the way, sure of himself, his wisdom, and his strength. Through the third gate he passed, going due north. Throughout the land he passed, seeking the sacred tree, but found it not. All men he met he questioned, but none could guide him on his way. None knew the place. Time passed, yet still he sought, wandering from place to place and returning oft upon his steps to the third gate. Sad and discouraged, still he sought on every hand. The teacher, watching from afar, sent Nerus to see if he could aid. Time and time again, he came in varying form and with different differing words of truth, but Hercules responded not. No knew him for the messenger he was. Skilled though he was in speech and wise with the deep wisdom of a son of God, Nerus failed for Hercules was blind. He did not recognize the help so subtly proffered. Returned at length with sadness to the teacher, Nerus spoke of failure. The first of the five lesser tests is passed, replied the teacher, and failure marks this stage. Let Hercules proceed. Finding no sacred tree upon the northern way, Hercules turned towards the south and in the place of darkness continued with his search. At first he dreamed of quick success, but Antaneus, the serpent, met him on the way and wrestled with him, overcoming him at every point. He guards the tree, said Hercules. This I was told, so near him must be the tree. I must break down his guard and thus destroying him, break down and pluck the fruit. Yet wrestling with much strength, he conquered not. Where lies my fault, said Hercules. Why can't Antaneus conquer me? As an infant, I destroyed a serpent in my cot. With my own hands, I strangled it. Why fail I now? Wrestling again with all his might, he grasped the serpent with both hands, lifting it high in the air away from the ground. And lo, the deed was done. And Antaneus vanquished and spoke. I come again in different guise at the eighth gate, prepared again to wrestle. The teacher, gazing from afar, saw all that happened to the great presiding one. The teacher, gazing from afar, saw all that happened, and to the great preceding one, who sits within the council chamber of the Lord, he spoke, reporting to the deed. The second test is passed. The danger is surmounted. Success at this point marks his way. And the great preceding one replied, let him proceed. Happy and confident, Hercules went on, sure of himself, and with new courage for the search. Now to the west he turned himself, and turning thus he met disaster. He entered without thought upon the third gate. Test and failure met him for long delayed his steps. For there he met Poseidon, the great ark deceiver, son of the waters, a close kin to Poseidon. His is the work bring dissolution to the sons of men through words of seeming wisdom. He claims to know the truth and with quickness they believe. 
he speaks fair words, saying, I am the teacher. To me is given knowledge of the truth and sacrifice for me. Accept the way of life through me. I know, but no one else. My truth is right. All other truth is wrong and false. Hark my words. Stay with me and be saved. And Hercules obeyed and daily weakened on the early way. On his third test, seeking no further for the sacred tree, his strength was sapped. He loved, adored Bessirus, and accepted all he said. Weaker from day to day, he grew until there came a day his loved teacher bound him to an altar and kept him bound throughout a year. Suddenly, one day, when struggling to be free and slowly seeing Bessirus for what he was, words spoken long ago by Nerus came to his mind. Quote, truth lies within yourself. There is a higher power and strength and wisdom in yourself. Turn inwards and there evoke the strength which is, the power which is heritage of all sons of men who are the sons of God. Quote, Silent lie lay a prisoner on the altar bound to its corners for, for one whole year. Then with the strength, which is the strength of all sons of God, he broke his bonds, seized the false teacher who had seemed to be so wise, and bound him to the altar in his place. He spoke no word, but left him there to learn. The watching teacher from afar noted the moment of release, and turning to Nerus, said, The third great test is past. You taught him how to meet it, and in due time he profited. Let him go forward on the way and learn the secret of success. Full of questioning relief, Hercules continued with his search and wandered far. The years spent prone upon the altar had taught him very much as he went with great wisdom on his way. Suddenly he halted in his steps. A cry of deep distress smote on his ear. Some vultures circling in a distant rock caught his attention. Then again the cry broke forth. Should he proceed upon his way, or should he seek the one who seemed in need and thus retard his steps? He pondered on the problem of delay. A year had now been lost. He felt the need for haste. Again, a cry broke forth to Hercules with rapid steps. He sped to his brother's help, and there he finds Prometheus chained upon a rock, suffering dire agonies of pain, caused by the vultures plucking at his liver, thus slowly killing him. He broke the binding chain and freed Prometheus chasing the vultures to their distant lair and tending the sick man until he had recovered from his wounds. Then with much loss of time, he again started to make his way. The teacher watching from afar spoke and to seeking pupil these clear words, the first words spoken to him since he entered the search. The fourth stage on the way unto the sacred tree is past. There has been no delay. The rule upon the chosen path, which hastens all success, is learn to serve. The preceding one, within the council chamber of the Lord, remarked, He has done well. Continue with his test. Upon all ways of the search went on, north and south and east and west, the sacred tree was sought but was not found. There came a day when, worn with fear and traveling, he heard a rumor from a passing pilgrim on the way that near a distant mountain the tree was to be found, the first true statement given to him as yet. Therefore, he turned his feet to the high mountains of the east, and on the bright and sunny day he saw the object 
of his search and hastened then his steps. Now I shall touch the sacred tree. He shouted in joy, surmount the guarding dragon, see the fair maidens of wide fame and pluck the apples. But again he was arrested by a sense of deep distress. Atlas confronted him, staggering neath the load of the worlds upon his back. His face was lined with suffering. His limbs were bowed with pain. His eyes were closed with agony. He asked no help. He saw not Hercules, but stood bowed down with pain, with the weight of the world. Hercules, trembling, watched and gauged the measure of the, wor- of the load and pain. He forgot about his search. The sacred tree and apples faded from his mind. He only sought to aid the giant that would delay his task. Forward he rushed and eagerly removed the load, lifting it off the shoulders of his brother onto his own back. Shouldering the burden of the world's himself, he closed his eyes, bracing himself with effort, and lo, the load rolled off and he stood free. And likewise, Atlas, before him stood the giant and his hands he held the golden apples, offering them with love to Hercules. The search was over. The sisters three held still more golden apples and pressed them likewise into his hands. The fair maid, who is the glory of setting sun, said unto him, placing an apple in his hand, quote, The way to us is always marked by service. Deeds of love are sang spots of the way. Then Erythia, who keeps the gate, which all must pass before they stand alone, before the great preceding one, gave him an apple, and upon its side, inscribed in light, was written the golden words, Service. Remember this, she said, forget it not. And lastly, Hesperus came the wonder of the evening star, and said to him, With clarity and love, go forth and serve and tread the way, from henceforth and for I of all world servers. Then I give back these apples for those who follow on, said Hercules, and returned from whence he came. Before the teacher he stood and rendered due account of all had transpired. To him the teacher gave the word of cheer, and then with pointing finger indicated the fourth gate and said to him, Pass through the gate, capture the doe, and enter once again the holy place. Nicely done on that reading, my man. Awesome, man. It was actually really nice for me to go ahead and read the entire story because I was familiar with a lot of these stories prior to reading Alice Bailey. And so a lot of things that I'm piecing together, I just have to actually throw out. Uh, Still consider a lot of the things that she even considers in the story, such as Prometheus and Atlas and the characters and the Titans that are involved in the story. But obviously we're looking at it from an esoteric perspective and not just the surface that Greek mythology sort of presents. And I'm not saying that Greek mythology only presents the story from a surface point of view, but the ones that you may find in regards to the golden apples of Hesperides, you might see a lot of things that are not relevant to what we're going to be breaking down today. Right. Yeah. And, and that's awesome, man, because what Alice Bailey's doing here is she took the myth from the original source that came from the East. Mm. And so again, you know, Greek mythology, more of these modern mythologies are great to study, but these stories come from a much more distant land and a much more distant time. And so it's kind of funny because this story that corresponds to Gemini is one of the stories that got very much kind of cut up and watered down over time, you know? And isn't it funny 
that the third story, which is in Gemini, is kind of like a good explanation of the game telephone. You know, when you start talking, like you start at one side of the room and you tell something. Right. By the time it gets to the other side of the room, there's usually some inconsistencies to the original source. And so with all spiritual studies, getting down to that root, getting to the lowest common denominator of where this story came from and getting more connected to the original essence, rather than when maybe certain kind of energies and powers try to kind of influence it, change it. And a lot of times it's watered down. You know, that's why, that's why, you know, when we further, when we graduate out of Hercules and we really look at the story of Bethlehem and we look at the story of Jesus, this is what's so unique about that prophet because we still have his spoken words and how important those are. We can actually get to the source of the information, you know, you read the Bible, but you're truly reading the New Testament for the words that Jesus said. Not so much what happened with the religious organizations 200 years after his death. Right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Which is a great comparison to what this story does. And like many other stories that we find in, in a spiritual sense is that, you know, there's the heart of it and there's the origin and there's the the message and the lesson to be learned. But there's also this... um I guess this earthling or this sort of uh, human component that gets involved that muddles down that sort of um, that essence that should be taken for for all of mankind to progress into a, a different lay or different um, level of of spirituality and understanding of the complexity of the universe and the story in in regarding in this with Hercules has a lot of that where you can have the very very small and unimportant facts involving the labor but then there's the deep deep meaning that goes behind the labor that sort of reveals you know what this energy really represents within Gemini right you know yeah absolutely and you know that's one of the good lessons that we're going to talk about with Gemini today is not only communication, um, but also deception. You know, what happens when we align these mythologies with like the surface level Disney films? Mm. Well, we lose out on the source. We lose out on that really universal life force that's actually trying to express itself through these stories. And so, you know, all spirituality is always getting to that lowest common denominator Go back to the source, you know, like we talked about in the movie nine, go back to the source. And you want to do that with all of your spiritual studies, you know, even spiritual ideas that get presented that are modern. That's great. Mm -hmm. But try to find their roots in ancient history. Like, did this idea just get formulated recently? Or right. can we find any of its remnants in Egypt or any ancient civilization? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, often when you're, when you're reading about this, um, this myth, it is mentioned um, a, a few times, actually, and not just through Alice Bailey, um, but also, I mean, of, of course, we talked about how this is the story of you here with Hercules, but its relationship to this duality that we've already been bringing up in the Tarot. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, as all these things start to tie in together, I like that you put it so simply as going to the common denominator, you know, mm -hmm. to, to finding all these sources and all these different people that we reference. It's still the same idea that we're trying to bring out from the core of what's been sort of layered on by man and by the misunderstanding of all of us, you know, interpreting what is actually being said. 
And, you know, and to kind of go back to what I just said about like, you know, going back to the source, um, one thing I do want to clarify is that doesn't mean we can't uncover new spiritual insights in our mm. modern day. Um, but that's why it's so important to look at astrotheology and the procession of the equinoxes and these astrological ages, because it will allude to you the spiritual discoveries of the age that could blossom that weren't afforded to past civilizations, if that makes sense. You know, so it's not saying that new spiritual ideas cannot be uncovered, but understanding the astrological ages will give us a better connection to like what we're able to uncover in our own time, because right. we really are in a kind of a biblical um, time frame that we kind of find ourselves in and the veil very much is lifted. And so there is a lot of insight to kind of wake up individual conscious entities at this moment um, that wasn't, you know, always readily available in the past, but just understanding those astrological ages will give us a better understanding of even the new spiritual insights that we're kind of have the flow of energy to uncover. Right. Like we have like, um, it's almost, I don't know why we almost have like spiritual momentum to be able to uncover some of the things. Right. Right. Well, I know that when we talked about the age that we have come out of and the age that we go into, we, we constantly relate that, that the two ages that we're faced with the one that we're coming out of, which is, Aquarius Pisces or Pisces. I'm sorry. So the ages that we're coming out of, which is Pisces um, and going into um, Aquarius, uh, Aquarius. Thank you. Um, you know, it, it has these, these, it has this um, influence to draw out, you know, this information either a little easier or actually it might be a little more difficult to let go of an idea and start a new one that we've lived in for so long. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And for others, it's not. It's very easy to reject an old way of of creating thoughts and having them connect to our emotions and our understanding of these messages that are left behind for us and interpret them. And for some people, I mean, again, they're holding on to another era that has them thinking in that regard from the past. And so we're kind of in a weird conflict right now between not ideologies, but interpretations and mm -hmm. what we want to be influenced by and what we want to no longer be influenced by. You know what I mean? Yeah. And actually that's a, that's a really good example. And we're going to bring this up and talk about this more in the second part of this episode, but we really are in an astrological mutable time. And it's kind of interesting because when we approach Gemini, we approach the first mutable sign of the Zodiac. And so not only does the Zodiac get separated by the elements, but it also gets separated by cardinal, fixed, and mutable. And what mutable really is kind of telling us is it's a transition period. And so what we're going to see with Gemini is the transition from spring into summer. It's not entirely spring anymore. It's not entirely summer. Mm. It's that transitional period. And so we are in an astrological mutable time. We're talking about a mutable air sign, and we're going to talk about all the unique characteristics of this. Um, and if you need to, uh, one of the things that we broke down on the patron um, this past week was the Last Supper. And if you want to kind of understand how these, these triplicities work together, these triple aspects of cardinal fixed and mutable, just look at the Last Supper. They're in pairs of, they're in groups of three. And they don't communicate outside of that because that's the seasons. There's three, there's three, there's three, there's three. And the son of God, the sun God is in the middle, right? And they're only corresponding. So the, the third one in each group, that's going to be your mutable signs. And so it's not so much contained to an element. 
it's actually another life force that's being presented. And it almost connects us more to the alchemical aspect of sulfur, mercury, and salt, mm. you know, the triplicity and like kind of bringing from the four to the three, we're all getting back to that one and that zero, right? And so we'll go deeper into that. We want to break down this myth first, but it was just a perfect time to kind of bring that up of like, hey, you know, we're not just dealing with elements here. They're they're right. different. There's mutable air, there's fixed air, and there's cardinal air. Um, and we'll kind of talk about the blending of those two and how this kind of helps us really create this almost this androgynous energy that we're right. looking to do, combinating those that sun and that moon aspects of ourselves. Excellent. Well, I think, you know, I know we've, we've said a lot already. And again, this is, I've been very excited to talk about this just because, um, my sun sign is a Gemini and it's hard for me not to be sort of wrapped into the, um, the breakdown and understanding of this energy and what it, what it represents. Not that it has anything to do with my sun sign as much, but just having understanding of the era of Gemini and what things have occurred in Gemini you know, what powers it be and how communication is, is so uh, important in this sign, but also what Hercules encounters within this duality of understanding these, um, these steps between the earth and then the above. And mm -hmm. so the above and the below we talk about all the time, but here you have an actual test that he has to go through in order to understand how to let go of one that is a lower self into a higher self and how difficult it is for an individual like Hercules to sort of guide himself instinctively through this, this, these tests that he's given, but also, um, how it doesn't lend itself so easily to, to him with other physical things that he's been able to conquer uh, and divide in his previous labors. And so, um, very exciting, man. So let's go ahead and start with, we'll, we'll get right into Gemini. You know, again, I know you already alluded to that. It's going to be a two-parter. We are going to make this into a two-parter. It is a lot to break down, but there's a reason why Alice Bailey has it as a two-parter. And that's because there is this duality in Gemini that I just mentioned. And so let's start with this part one, man. I'm excited. You know, there's so many questions about, um, the myth and, and what it relates to. So you ready? Let's do it. Cool, man. And so, yeah, I mean, right off the bat, you know, the first thing that you were kind of talking about in that myth is that that great preceding one, right, who's kind of guiding this and observing this from afar. Well, you're going to learn who this great preceding one is as we kind of make our way through. Um, and it feels like a distant entity, but it's actually a lot closer to home than we than we know. But it's all about this 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 aspect that we're kind of going to is the sacred tree and these fruits these golden apples that are bearing from the sacred tree and this is the overarching aspect of the whole theme of this journey that he's on right is finding the sacred tree now we've spoke about trees before mm -hmm. when we were going through this in the first labor or when we just broke down the labors of hercules if you can remember i said you know pay attention to trees tree wisdom and pay attention to serpent wisdom because these are hidden aspects kind of in our modern understanding of these ancient religious or we ancient spiritual understandings right like we understand solar deities we understand stellar deities lunar deities well serpent and tree wisdom is just as important um, and this is where we're going to see, we're kind of coming across to this, this first tree. Now he's had like a club of wood before. So we've had ep like representations of the essences of this, but now we're directly kind of coming to this. Right. Right. And so 
when we think about the tree, you know, we're going to be thinking about a couple different things here. We're not only going to be thinking about like the chakra system and that unifying almost kundalini energy that lives within us, but it's also the nervous system. If you pull out your nervous system out of your body, it looks like a tree, right? It's got all these like branches that kind of go out all throughout through the body. And this is what it's kind of connecting to. And we're going to kind of talk about this communication that comes with Gemini um, and just how much intelligence is within and how it's always speaking to us, but it's only when we actually can listen to it that we can actually act upon it. Mm. And that's going to be the big thing that Hercules is going to be working through this. And so when we think about the tree, we can think about the chakra system, we can think about the nervous system, and it goes so much deeper than that. But to kind of just get this story going, the tree bears a fruit. And that's going to be this golden apple. And that is the the end goal of Hercules on this. He was instructed to get these golden apples. Correct. And we're going to see that he has to go a whole journey on this. And he really has to like transverse the entire world. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not never it's never spoken that way in Greek mythology on how laborious this labor actually is, as far as what it takes him through. I mean, he's traveling from north to south and east to west looking for this tree and already with the idea that he must conquer the dragon that protects this tree. So he already has this sort of idea of how it's going to go, unknowing that the biggest task that he might have to encounter is just trying to find the tree itself. Right. You know? Yeah. And and we're going to be dealing with, because this tree is guarded, right? It's guarded by this dragon and the three maidens. Right. So what this is telling you is you can't reach this tree just by force alone. Mm. It's not just by conquering the dragon, which would be that R complex. It's also the incorporation of that that limbic system, which is your emotional consciousness. And that's what the three maidens are going to represent. And what the three maidens are going to also represent with this number three is understanding natural law, right? Three maidens for the sun sunrise midday sunset, right? We go to the moon, waxing, full, waning, right? It's always kind of told in these three aspects. And so it's going to be his uncovering of natural law, this universal process that's happening out in front of us as well as in within us. But we're also going to come to another serpent. But this is a, is it a, it was a hundred head serpent? Yeah. Yeah. This is a little different. You know, the serpent is always going to be the evolution from illusion to illumination. And so this serpent, though, with its hundred heads, we don't see a hundred head serpent in our physical reality, right? So we talked about it in the first labors of Hercules, that when he was a child, he he conquered the serpent. Correct. But that was a one-headed serpent. That was the physical, mental serpent of illusion. Well, now we're getting into the spiritual serpent, astral illusion. This is this is a tough topic for a lot of people to get into because what we kind of learn through our study of spirituality, the esoteric and the occult, and as we study natural law, is spirituality isn't all cupcakes and rainbows, right? There is deception with even spiritual understanding. There's deception with spiritual teachers. There's incomplete ideologies and there's quite literally ideologies that lead you to kind of set up camp and not to further your own spiritual discovery 
And that's what this hundred head serpent is going to represent. It's really going to represent astral illusion and really kind of breaking that way and starting to see, you know, like we really have to, in this point, really kind of get connected. What it's asking us to do is get connected to the higher self, get connected to that OG energy, which is the original generator, right? Which is the OG of the universe. And so that's what it's going to ask us to do here. And this is, this is the level where a lot of us are at in our spiritual development, getting away from astral illusion. And that's a very tough process. It's an independent process. Now you can learn by going back to these like source materials, but you know, one thing that we're going to kind of learn with Gemini is, is the idea of deception and, you know, the idea of sacrifice and the things that are going to kind of come from this. And so this is going to really play a huge role in us, but the solution to how he overcomes this astral illusion is much different than his first dance with the snake, um, which was a physical test. Well, this is going to be more of a spiritual test and a higher understanding, and it will make sense when we get to the point where he comes face to face with this hundred head right. serpent and how he overcomes it, because from his strength alone, um, he's unable to overtake it. Exactly. Now, there's there's more to what he's going to have to um, not just necessarily conquer and divide through his labor, but actually trust and figure out and also come to uh, grips with being deceived. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that, you know, we haven't seen this individual really go through too much. There are obviously deceptions along the way of each of his labors to an extent, but this is one that I really, you know, found fascinating. I'm pretty sure that in the story at some point, he regards that when he does face the serpent, why should he be so cautious as if he already beat that one serpent mm-hmm. we just talked about as a child? Mm-hmm. You know, he mentions that, you know, I've been there, done that. And that in itself is already a, a a premonition of like his arrogance and mm-hmm. how it might block him from having this understanding of this astrological uh, deception you're talking about or astro um, astral illusion, astral illusion. And so well said, dude. Um, but yeah, let's carry on. Yeah, no. And you know, and again, too, both of these are telling you that nature will keep its secrets until you uncover them. Right. So nature will present to you the secrets of the universe but if you don't analyze them and still it and actually make it a part of you, it will keep all this information hidden. We kind of spoke about this with the high priestess, right? That's where the mystery is and understanding these laws of nature. And we're really going to kind of see this with both the maidens, the three maidens, um, like we spoke about with like the understanding of natural law and this hundredth head serpent that's kind of protecting protecting this this tree of this golden apple, which we're going to kind of get to of what that fruit is that bears off of that golden apple. Um, but, you know, one of the things you brought up too was, again, they, the teacher that the preceding one, right? The presiding one, that's, that's kind of overseeing this whole unfoldment of Hercules, right? From afar. Right. Doesn't have a lot of confidence in him, Right. They yeah, both they, they say it many times. They're like, I fear that my son will fail. Well, that's because there's so many levels to deception in this reality. Okay, just look, just watch Nature Channel. How many plant how many animals have stripes and spots? How many animals, 
How many? There's like birds out there that will literally go into a nest, kill those birds, and then leave its birds so the other mother feeds those birds. That's deception, right? There's We live in the Sonoran Desert. There's rattlesnakes. They rattle their tail to let you know that, like, I'm going to kill you. But there's also the bull snake will rattle its tail, even though it doesn't have venom. It's deception. It's It's putting something out there that's not that. We really have to take a sober look at how much deception is in our life. Deception is everything. Um, Now, if you can learn to see through that and get to a place where you can see the deception, that's where Hercules is working towards. But it's very, very hard because we're deceived at so many different levels. And you really have to be an active, conscious individual to be constantly seeing the deception. And with that snake, when you overcome one deception, there's going to be another deception that's presented in front of you. Mm-hmm. You know, this is that statement when people are like, oh, I'm like, I'm out in light. You know, like, I don't have to do anymore. Like, I did it. I'm like spiritually there. It's like, that's, a, that's not a really good attitude to take because there's always another lesson. There's always a greater blueprint that's being presented for you to, you know, observe, you know, reflect, and then instill, and then put into action. And so- that's what we're going to kind of say here, but just from the aspect of this universal life force that's guiding him knows how tough this realm is with deception. Because in this realm, we're operating in this polarity duality that we're kind of speaking of with Gemini, mm-hmm. you know, which is duality. And although the whole universe is absolute, we perceive this construct of reality in this dual aspect ex, um, experience. Um, and so that's what we're going to be kind of looking at here. And so, again, just thinking about deception and all the ways that it kind of works, um, and we'll kind of talk about it. And again, we're dealing with Gemini, who's exoterically ruled by Mercury, and we know Mercury as the trickster. You know, Mercury will either tell you truth or it could tell you a falsehood. Mm. Communication is very binary. It's either the truth or a falsehood. Falsehood, and so. So you said, but you said to interrupt you really quick. You said Mercury as an influence in the esoteric or exoteric. Mercury is the exoteric. So the ruler. esoteric would be Venus. Will be Venus. Okay, and that is what we'll kind of be, you know, capstoning this conversation with, um, and we'll kind of pull together and. Really, in esoteric astrology, Venus is one of the most developed planets. And that's what's so funny, because we don't really understand Venus very well. And Venus has so many layers. And we've talked about that with just the idea of the word love having the same expression in English, and how it's almost like so limiting, because there's so many different variations of love. And love very much has a hierarchy. Unconditional love is higher than you know, selfish love, mm. you know, s- saying that you own something, you don't, you don't own anything but your soul. You know what I mean? And so approaching Venus, and again, this like sober perspective of this unconditional love, well, that's going to be the ultimate communicator because Venus is the communicator of the heart. And that's what we're doing through all of our spiritual work. You are learning to you're learning your neocortex, you're learning your brain, you're learning that higher component of consciousness that's operating through the brain. So it can almost step out of the way. So this higher energy of the heart, which is the presiding one that's in the background, can actually truly guide us to our destiny. 
And that's a big process and it's a lifelong journey. And you're always kind of stepping out of the way and then acting upon that heart because it does need you to act upon it. But listening to that heart is what we really want to do. And that's the ultimate communication that we're working towards. Right. Okay. I just wanted to clarify that because I mean, I know that she, she being Alice Bailey again, mentions that, that influence of Venus. And, and I'm glad that you're, you're sort of alluding to the fact that it's through the heart that it'll really have this ultimate level of communication and understanding, because then when you have to act on it, then you pull in that Saturn energy. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, Saturn actually, absolutely. Cause Saturn's going to ask us to put it into form. Right. Act to make on it physical. It. Yeah. Right. You know? And so we're going to kind of talk about all of that. And that's the thing, all of the planets are showing up here because we even have Neptune that's going to show up in a little bit yeah. with Poseidon, Sun. Um, so all the planets, just like in the moment we're in, are pushing their influence, you know? So the stories, just because they're about Gemini, it's not just isolated to Gemini, Mercury, right? Because everything is kind of unfolding in this, right. just like in life. And so... So we'll begin now with something that we, that I know I already mentioned, and it's easy for me to just get ahead of myself. Again, there's so much to unfold, and I'm, I'm, I'm very excited knowing that we already have the understanding of this will be a two-parter. But one of the things that really kind of got me going uh, as I'm reading this was the fact that he travels all over the world. You know, I said this before, but he's north, south, east, and west through the entire planet looking for this this tree of wisdom, the sacred tree, you know, these golden apples. And so that in itself right there, let's kind of, that's a good jumping point to kind of talk about, you know, it's not like any other labor where there's, it's isolated to a region or to this one um, place and time that he must confront. He really does have to go on and on for an extended period of time looking for this tree. And along the way, no one and nobody just points the way at him for him. And I think that's a, a very important thing to consider is that it's not, it doesn't lend itself so easily. So yeah, do no. we begin there? Yeah. And that's perfect. And I love how you, you stated it because he was actually going the correct direction in the beginning. He's and going he's north. north. Yeah. He's going north, which is that, you know, that's always going to kind of represent that spiritual nature, right? South being more form, which is the darkness, north being more of that, um, that universal ether consciousness energy. And so he was traveling the correct direction, but the problem was he was blind. He wasn't seeing the landscape for what it was. Deception, not actually analyzing what's in front of us, being on the map, but not seeing it as a map. Mm. How often do we do this? How often have spiritual insights been just knocking us into the face and we just go right over them? You know, it's, it's like one of those things. It's like, wherever you go, there you are. Like spirituality is always speaking to us, but if we don't have the eyes to see it, it's just going to go right past us. And so that's what we're kind of seeing. So not only was he, he was heading in the right direction, but he didn't know what he was looking for. So when we actually have Nerus who comes around and is actually guiding him, the problem is, is he's looking for more direct information. And this is something that all of us need to look at. Spiritual counsel, people to talk about spirituality with, is such a good resource. But you are your own unique dancing star. Nobody knows your destiny because it's encoded in your DNA. It's encoded in your astral story. And so you can have people who assist you, 
help you help guide you through this experience, but nobody can give you direct confirmation of what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And if they are telling you this is the only way, um, and it's you have to follow my path, get out of there as quick as possible. Okay. If anybody's saying all other teachers are trash, I'm the only good teacher, check it, you know, um, because the kingdom of God is within you. And that's what we're going to kind of find. And that's what Nerus is trying to guide him the whole time. But he's, that's the thing is Hercules isn't ready for that. Exactly. Oh, that the truth is inside of you. It was, you know, not to um, jump in into a personal story, but I was just going through this conversation of when I transitioned from being a, um, a silly atheist to um, an individual on the spiritual path. The person who said the words to me that changed my life, it wasn't the first time I heard these words. They just looked at me in the right moment, at the right place, and they said, well, God is just energy. And it was just like, boom. And all of a sudden, that door was unlocked, can opener, never been the same person ever since. I've heard that term a hundred times, but I was blind to see what it was really saying. Mm. I had to have my own limited perspective on the situation. I was, you know, so attached to material science and all these other things. So again, you can put this information in front of individuals, but if they're blind, they're not going to see it. Um, Spirituality is the elephant in the room and it's trying to get his attention, but Hercules is just looking past it and he wants direct advice. Um, And that's, only really going to be found within yourself. And again, you can have people that can help you through this, to talk to you through this, but at the end of the time, you are your own guide. You do not need a guru. Um, and that's what has been our biggest thing that we've tried to do here. Like at no point, like we just have conversations. Even in my alchemical counseling, we're having conversations because like what worked for me might not work for you. And what works for you might not work for me. So this is why when sometimes people are giving advice to people and they, they're like, well, this is what, this is how I became this successful person. Well, that was your path that unfolded there. And we all have a unique skill and kind of quote unquote job to fulfill for this universal plan. So we all can't be the same thing if that makes sense. So we can't all just follow this one successful person's code or this one guru because that was their destiny. That was their path. And you are a dancing star. You're actually moving. You're not fixed in the sky. Like people don't realize that. Like, do you know how special you are? You are a dancing, moving, conscious star that's like working through this universal energy that we find ourselves in. Accepting that is going to be one of the things that Hercules is going to kind of do through this. And that's really going to be when we kind of talk about this twin energy and who do we kind of, who do we put our service to that lower self, which is like more of the personality or that higher self, which is the observer and the kind of the philosopher stone that's within us. Well said. I mean, you know, right off the bat, when you talk about Nerus and the higher self that's trying to reach to Hercules to go back to even the idea of what might work for me may not work for you. And any person who's lived through success, people are always wanting to have a connection on the five cent construct of what works for you may work for me because you breathe the air I breathe. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the limbs that I have and you have the, um, you know, the, the ability to, to make something of yourself in the physical realm. So give me your, 
um, your insights. But realistically, the the wise individual who's made a success for themselves will say, what worked for me may not work for you, meaning that I followed a higher self. The physical follows thereafter, but the higher self is what has guided me to create what you now observe with those eyes. Mm -hmm. And the only way that I was able to open those doors is that I had to take my blindfold off myself in order to follow this voice. And in this case, in the story is a Naruse for Hercules that allows me to see that's what is in front of me. And I think that in every successful story, when you hear an individual talk about what led them to become, you know, as successful as they've been, or if they've found a way or a path that, you know, gave them this abundance, it never has anything to regard with the lower self. I mean, mm -hmm. you can hear stories of, I got up this early, I went through these obstacles and that refined me, but there's always a point in the story of the individual who succeeded who goes, but it was always there right in front of me. I just had to open up that door. Mm -hmm. And that's the hardest task, which is mm -hmm. the task that we're going to see Hercules struggle with in this labor mm -hmm. is that it, it can't be that easy, but it is that easy, but it's not meant to be um, so in plain sight because mm -hmm. you have to go within in yeah. order to listen and basically be guided by that that mm -hmm. side of of the higher self in this case again Nerus, who's telling hercules like which is the path but not so clearly enough to where hercules you know abides by that mm -hmm. and instead second guesses himself and decides to go in an opposite direction mm -hmm. to a lower self that might take him to where he needs to be which in this case is the tree this the golden apples to attain this garden mm -hmm. um and absolutely, man. And so I'm not saying you can't have spiritual teachers. I have so many spiritual teachers. Right. But you want to find teachers that are going to give you more principles rather than like a step-by-step -step process. Now, like the alchemical process is a universal code that's beautiful to uncover, because it, but it's going to unfold independently within you differently than it unfolded with me. And so you want to get connected to principles of teachers that are going to give you things like things as like strength of your character that is always going to benefit the asper the the person aspiring for spiritual discovery mm. strength of character that's universal you know increasing the size of your heart empathy okay objectiveness these are core principles that you want to focus on that all true spiritual teachers are going to tell you what to focus on but if somebody tells you that the only way you're going to find enlightenment is if you sit on a pillow and meditate for 4 hours a day like they did and you can't do that well, that might not be for you because as much as, you know, sometimes in the spiritual community, you want to like kind of think like that. If we all became this like enlightenment through this idea of the Buddha, and I'm not saying that the Buddha's path is wrong. I'm just saying if we were all the Buddha, the human race would not continue, if that makes sense, because we would all just be meditating all day on the pillow. Right. We all have our own unique destiny. You can do moving meditation. Some people tell me that they have to go on long drives to meditate, and they have these huge spiritual enlight and like um, insights that kind of come in. Well, were they wrong because they had to be in an automobile to do that, or they have to be gardening to do that? Or you know, one thing that Gemini's like to do, which is really fun, is like watching bugs. Like if you're a Gemini rising sun or moon. Watch ants, watch a grasshopper. Like watching little things is actually like 
really unique for the Gemini to do. They get this like unique kind of connection. And so meditation is going to be independent to you too. If you are an abil- a person who can sit like on a pillow and go into a deep meditation, that's an amazing capacity to have. Not everybody's going to do that, nor is that everybody's path. Right. So again, when we get these like cookie cutters, my way or the highway, there is a way, but it was always universally within you. You don't need, if what you want to find is somebody who helps you express your own independent way through this, not so much like it's this or that, you know, when we think about this idea of how, like, um, how stuff gets hijacked. Right. And like why, and I'm a huge student of the Bible, but in the old Testament and the new Testament, as rich and esoteric symbolism, there is nothing, nothing compares to the words of Jesus that's in there. The, the actual quoted words of Jesus that's in the Bible, nothing can hold a light to it because it's, it's the purest of the pure. It's literally the messenger of that OG energy coming here and just like putting it right in front of you. Right. And it's the ultimate lessons that we need to kind of connect to. And this is what obviously we're working our way up to the story of Jesus. And so when we kind of think about how stuff kind of gets hijacked and manipulated, everybody remembers where they were. So say if you did grow up in like a Western, maybe Christian background, Mm -hmm. everybody remembers that day at Sunday school when one of the kids, or could have been yourself, if you were a little Scorpio and you were inquisitive and you're like, what's, what's going on here? And they're talking about how, you know, all you have to do is just accept Jesus into your heart, which in the esoteric way is so true, but it's not just going to happen by like eating a cracker and getting some wine and by this person, right? It's, it's something much deeper to accept Jesus into your heart. It's a whole lifelong process, right? And you have that individual who asked that question of like, well, if you don't accept Jesus in your heart, you go to hell. And the Sunday teacher is like, correct. So what happens if somebody was never educated on Jesus? What if they were in a far distant land and they were an amazing individual? Do they still go to hell? And your Sunday teacher is like, correct. And you're like, okay, I think I need to step away from this. Like you saw the veil get lifted right there. And even as a child, you're like, this smells like shit, feels like shit. I bet it tastes like shit. It usually does, you know? And that's what we're kind of talking about here is that pulse inside you. Right. Where you were like, because you were as a child, you're like, oh, all adults know everything, right? They, they've got this all figured out. Like they've got the car, they have the job, the money, they must've figured this thing out. All of a sudden something inside you, which is this higher teacher is just like, no, that's not true. You know, there's this inner communication that kind of happens. And so one of the things that we're going to kind of see that gets developed is the ability to kind of see through some of this deception, see through some of this this hijacking that happens with this universal life force. You know, um, you can even just see it as like even anything that's like clever and artistic and unique and somebody, look how quickly it gets copied. And all of a sudden you, there's this really unique artist out there and then like three, four years later, you're seeing kind of copycat stuff of it in like your Target or your Walmart, like your general store. And it's like, it looks like the original thing, but it's not the original thing, right? It's like this, like, again, kind of this watered down kind of situation. And that's what we're going to kind of have there. And so what Hercules is doing is he's heading in the right direction, but he doesn't know what to see. He doesn't know the map. 
for the true significance that it is. And so he goes from the north, and because Nir Rus is not telling him directly what he needs to know, and he wants somebody to be his guru, he turns back to the south, which is going to be form, darkness, trying to find the spiritual way in the material world. Which is 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 the first of the five tests that he passes, which I thought was very interesting because the teacher from afar that is putting him on this path sends Nerus to help him. And as he decides to not adhere or to not be guided by Nerus, by the higher self, and turns that opposite direction, that's how he continues passing on through this labor because the teacher says, no, this is part of the test. This is this is him passing one of the five tests of where he needs to you know, go within, which is him not going within right from the beginning. You mm-hmm. know? Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, you know, and one of the- oh, I good, thought that was interesting. I mean- Yeah. And, but you know, what's so interesting- is passing it, in a weird way. Right. For this first test. But what's interesting is Nerus, when he goes back to um, talk to the presiding one of Hercules' advancements- Nerus, even though he is this wise individual that was sent from this council, he perceives it as a failure. Right. You know, because he says, like, the quote, what was it? He was, um, Nerus kind of spoke of the failure and he says, The first of the five lesser tests is passed, replied the teacher, and failure marks this stage. Let Hercules proceed. This is, th- there's so much insight right there in that quote. Right, because he's like speaking of it. He says, like again, we have this aspect of duality. Right, we have this Gemini coming up because he says he failed the test, but let's let him proceed. And so you're like, well, did he fail, or like why is he kind of passing right. on? It's part of the process too. How many times do we put people on our own spiritual timelines? Oh, this is, I was able to make this connection, this connection, this fast. You need to make this connection, this connection, this fast. Right? Again, it's this. You, as a spiritual individual, only can fan the flames of the other alchemist, right? You can't row their boat for them, right? You can help guide them. You can show them how you row your boat and kind right. of give them, you know, tips. But it's it's kind of from this afar aspect. And so, again, we kind of have this unique dance with duality because we're like, well, did he fail or was he successful? Um, why was he able to kind of continue on? It's part of the process. Trust the process. Trust the unfoldment of this. He, Hercules is not going to see until Hercules wants to see. Right. You can't just come here and just like open their eyes. I love the way you just said that. It's exactly like what I got from this entire lesson. Like you just, like if we could like just highlight what you just said right there is exactly what I thought was so powerful about this journey, you know, and why he's able to pass because he Mm -hmm. must pass in order to face this idea that he has of, of conquering this labor quickly, you Mm -hmm. know, just mm-hmm. and, and so it's like okay, well, as you turn away from the north, from the instinctive process of where you were going, because you didn't see the tree so quickly, you now turn south and you go in the opposite direction. But only there you will find what you were meant to find mm-hmm. in, in the beginning. But yeah, you were not able to see just yet, as you were blind. Right, the golden apples right in front of you, but it sounds like you need to go through hell. And like, yes. what yes. is our spiritual development? Right, we we've got to this point because we were all burning, traveling southward. And then we all kind of more directed our compass and started following it back up north again. And that's when we kind of make these higher aspiration discoveries that we're kind of um, investigating, right? And that's what we're having this kind of conversation on right now. And so interesting kind of duality. And again, 
just how this story is written, right? Like you said earlier, it's written in two parts for the twins. And the steps of when we kind of have this duality of failure and success, when we see that he actually starts to gain success fully, it's going to be more of this incorporation of this unification of himself. And that's going to really happen in the third step of this process, um, which is going to represent Gemini, which is the binding of those two. And so we really do have this, this interesting idea. And again, if we have to, one of the things that we're always working for is reading with that esoteric perception we have to see everything with this esoteric perception, whether you're reading a novel, whether you're reading an esoteric text, whether you're watching the news, seeing it with that esoteric lens is so important. You know, not only what is said, what is not said, right? because that's what Gemini is also all about. Gemini deception is not only lying to you, but keeping out the truth from speaking to you. You know, it goes two ways. Gemini is what you say, and it's also what you choose not to say. Mm. And that's what we're going to kind of see. But we always want to be reading through those lines, just like in the Tarot, we're looking at the numbers, but we're also looking at like two numbers at the same time, because right. there's there's an inner teaching here. And there's always an inner teaching to everything. And it's always looking for you to discover that. But we've all tried to show somebody a spiritual insight, a principle, maybe an event that didn't happen quite like we we speak about it or think about it and you think it's going to be so easy and you're like, Oh, like I'm going to show these people like about this thing. And then you're just met with like brick walls and like hundred yard stairs with like people have like gazed eyes over it. And so that's what we're going to kind of see here is, you know, only the individuals with eyes to see are going to see only the individuals with true hearing are going to hear the truth. Everybody else, it's just going to kind of, kind of, go right past them, right? And it's not saying, and I'm not going to use a term like an NPC or something, but maybe they're not ready for it. You know, right. maybe part of their development, they have to go a little bit further. Um, now, you can still try to assist our loved ones, but really how you're going to do that is tapping into this like unconditional love that we're working towards. And that's what's really going to kind of spiritually open people up. It's not always going to be like preaching at them or, you know, always putting stuff in their face. That was one of my biggest problems when I kind of got into the whole underground history movement. I just thought everybody wanted to know about this. And people were like, I didn't want to know about that. Like, you just fractured my timeline of reality. Like, why would I, I'm not ready for this. Like, I got to go pick up my kid in like two hours. Now, how am I going to operate now? And you're like, oh, okay. Like, you know, we need to kind of be aware of that. Um, and that's what makes this community of spiritual investigators, like each and every one of us listening to this podcast and every other spiritual researcher out there, because again, you don't want just one influencer on this. You want to get a wide range of understanding. This is what makes our whole universal community so special because we are opening our eyes for the first time. We are listening for the first time. We're feeling life for the first time. And it's when you put intention into it, it gets a little intense. And when you actually start feeling life for what it is, it gets intense, but it's a much needed birthing process. And, you know, even just this aspect of understanding the spiritual significance of failure, do you understand how important failure is in your development? It's everything. You have to fail. Failing is such an important 
component of this evolution of consciousness. Now, if you don't learn from your failures and you keep living in the same pattern and you're stuck in a wheel, well, that's going to be some problems. But learning from your failures, you do it wrong, you learn what's wrong and you don't do it wrong again, that's the golden apple. That's the, fr- that's the fruit that kind of bears from it. And so understanding, changing your relationship to fail. And I'm not saying like manifest failure, but be excited just about failure as success. You know, good. Like, yeah, good. I mean, without failure, there's no introspection. I mean, there hardly is. I mean, Absolutely. Having, having the feeling of guilt, which you feel in, in, I shouldn't say guilt, of shame during a, a ambitious conquest like he has right now. He's on this journey where he's like, you know what? put whatever you want in front of me and I will take it down. And as I take it down, the site will lend itself to where I need to go and what I need to do. And my strength will be what allows me to proceed. And he finds himself completely baffled by the fact that as he's walking south and he's going through hell and he thinks he's defeating, in this case, it's the serpent that presents itself to him that as he defeats it, he says, I found you, you know, you are the reptile that Mm -hmm. basically guards the tree. So I must be on the right path Mm -hmm. only to be deceived again, to realize, oh my gosh, this isn't the reptile I'm supposed to be taking down in order to get to the tree. And once again, you're faced with a second failure Mm -hmm. of the five tests that allowed him to again, go inward, or Mm -hmm. at least try to go inward, which we'll find out here how that doesn't serve him either. Because and what I'm alluding to in the second test that he fails or sort of um, realizes isn't the actual path he's supposed to be on. He's conquered by the serpent. And he says, you know, where lies my fault? Um, and why can this serpent conquer me? You know, and and it's only then that he realizes that it's not so much about destroying the serpent and the power that the serpent has, but it's actually having an understanding that when the serpent is not on the ground and is within the air, that he realizes that's where it's weakened, correct? So it's completely, a, 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 not an opposition, but an, uh, it's, uh, what's the word? It's not what he normally would probably approach with such a task, like defeating this this serpent, you know, is to use a little more intellect in order to, you know, conquer this, this, this um, process of the test. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, absolutely. And again, you need to learn through your failures. What might have worked for you in the past might not work for you in the future. You know, when we talk about cycles and patterns, there's certain things that served you very well in your early 20 years. But when you get into your 30s, you have to shed a lot of those things that served you in your 20s and take that energy and give birth to new energy that's going to serve you in the future. And failure's the same thing, you know? Um, Sometimes, you know, we can be like, oh, like, Okay, when the light is green, I go. That's like a simple one. That's like more of a binary one, right? But then there's things that kind of come up with like communication or like intra-human connections with people, right? So, oh, this person reacted really well when I came really soft with them. And I was like very like, you know, I had to like package even like my, um, say you're like a manager of somebody. This one person I work with, I really have to package something. So if I come at this person too direct, they're going to be upset and they're going to like cry for the rest of the day. So what I have to do is like, if I need them to change something, I package it and I give them a compliment. 
tell them the misdirection, and then I end it with a compliment. So they leave that conversation like, oh, all enlightened of like, oh, I had just a positive conversation with the boss, but really you were kind of guiding them. Now, working in restaurants, maybe my servers or like my bartenders, I would have to maybe do that. You go to the back, back of the house, you start packaging something for some of these like cooks and they're like, cut the bullshit. Tell me what you want. Like be direct with me, right? And you're like, oh, certain people I need to be direct with, certain people I need to kind of package it a little bit differently. So if we would just live off this idea that all it's going to always be this binary thing, that's that's not really going to work, you know, because certain people like that when you're just like, they're like, cut the shit. Like, they're more Virgo. Like, I don't care what you're doing right now. Like, simplify. Tell me what you want me to do. And then you're like, I need you to put garlic on the carne. And they're like, thank you. Get out of my kitchen. And I'm like, heard, right? And I might make my way out. But that is what we're kind of talking about here. So failure is going to be an evolution, you know? And again, it's just how you approach failure. And there's a great, always shouting him out because he's the man, Akira the Don Song. And he takes, we've spoken about this individual before when we spoke about Mar, um, Mars, the planet Mars. It's that individual, Jocko Williams. I think I'm mispronouncing his name. Oh, yeah, Jocko. Is it Jocko? Okay. I'm sorry I mispronounced his name. But there's a song called Good. Yeah. And he talks about how he handles failure. And again, one thing, anytime we mention anybody on this podcast, please know that I don't agree with 100% of anything that everybody says, nor should you. you and there's there's times like that I say that myself or Eduardo says something on that podcast, you might be like, that didn't resonate with me so much. Well, that doesn't mean you have to stop listening. You know, you take what resonates with you and then what doesn't, you filter out. And that's a really important process of this intellectual, spiritual development that we're going through. Well, it's one of the greatest things that we have right now in this era of this podcast uh, series. You know right. what I mean? Is that you're, it's not about one only individual, you know? Um, the individual you're talking about, though, um, Jocko uh, Willink, you know, he talks a lot about leadership and discipline. And that's mm-hmm. that's what I was going to allude to. But it's not that everything he says is just what it needs to be you know it's it's one of the many um insights you can get in order to develop a better or more refined idea of what spirituality actually means to you inside of you by listening to what's being said on the outside and taking it back inside Mm -hmm. you know what i mean um so i agree yeah absolutely man and that's the thing taking information you can find good sources everywhere you know even in you know even in a like a major movie production they might feed you like 90% garbage of the philosophy that they're telling, but there's 10% yes. deep esoteric truth in there. Um, there is, um, I saw a breakdown recently of a scene from a triple X movie, which is not a naughty movie, but like it was a movie with uh, Vin Diesel and oh, Samuel yeah, yeah. L. Jackson, right? Really surface level. You're like, oh, that's just going to be explosions. You know, there's a scene though, where he's in a diner And it's one of the most esoteric scenes you'll ever see because it's a story of you waking up being confused of like, where am I? Well, that's what happened to you. You woke up here and you're like, where am I? And then all of a sudden life just started happening and you had to start operating. And it's a really powerful scene because at one point Vin Diesel's just like, I'm not doing this shit. And what it means is like, I'm not buying into the illusion. I'm not buying into this deception. I'm seeing the inconsistencies here. And that's what we kind of need to do. Um, I'm not, like when it comes to failure, I'm not dealing with this anymore. Right. I'm going to change from this, you know? And when failure happens, you know, in that song on the care of the dawn, he responds as good. Like, Hey, you know, 
you got you got injured good you can spend more time training you know you didn't get that you didn't get that promotion good build up your resume a little right. bit more you know there's always how we approach these kind of situations and that's very much being addressed and kind of put in front of us today with the story of hercules it's not so much how you handle success which is so important it's really how you handle failure because and i and this is like a this is an interesting topic and i don't want people to be like oh i'm turning this off but when we were talking about that dancing star talking about unconditional love mm-hmm. talking about like how all this energy that we're learning about these principles work within us. And we're really learning just how powerful we are, right? Right. God doesn't care about you personally in the role of, if you are attached to your failures and that's all you think about, and that's all you think about for the future, because I failed here, I'm going to fail again. Well, the universe is just going to give you more failures, if that makes sense, yeah. right? Learning from your failures, you're going to start to actually approach divinity. Because when I say God doesn't care, it doesn't mean he doesn't care. The universal OG energy unconditionally loves you. And so it unconditionally loves you so much, it's not going to help you hatch from the egg because that's how you kill the baby chicken. If a baby chicken is making its way out of an egg and you actually help it, it doesn't develop its body enough that it will actually not live, live very long after that. This is a universal law. You have to crack out of your own egg because, again, through all of this, God did not forget about you. You forgot about God. So it's not going to come down to the mud if you're stuck in the mud. It's only going to come towards you as you start moving towards it. And then it will move mountains. But this universal life force that is guiding this presiding one that is guiding Hercules through this, this is that universal energy that we're talking about. And it does unconditionally love you. It loves you so much that it needs you to find out who you are. So yeah, and you know, with this this hundredth head serpent, right, which is the spiritual illusion, there's some really amazing components that happen here. Because again, his failure... He can't react to how he handled the situation in the past because he's got a more complex blueprint that the universe is presenting him. And so one of the big key components that we look at this, because again, Hercules states, where lies my fault? Like I destroyed this this serpent when I was a child. Why can't I, why is it breaking me down now? And why is it overcoming me? Why can it, why is it conquering me? Right. Um, and so one of the big things is wrestling again with all of his mites. He grasped the serpent with both hands. Right. Gemini, which is the sign we're in, rules the hands. These hands almost have their own personalities, right? What we're talking about here is when he's grasping it with both hands, his persona, his personality, and his higher self is working in combination together. Okay. That's going to be this huge component. We're not destroying our personality in this. We're getting it influenced and guided by the observer, the higher self. We need our personality. We need this outward expression. Okay. We are, as humans, we are social beings. We need to be able to communicate. We need to kind of connect with people. We need that personality to be able to make these connections. And so when he says, I grabbed it with both hands, this is representing the coming online of these two hemispheres of the brain, which is the left side of the right side of the brain, coming together and working together, not being polarized, right? Because if you even think about Gemini as the sigil, it looks like two 
pillars. And that's exactly what it is. It's the two components. And so what we're having now is the opposites are merging together to great strength. Strength that's led by wisdom. Because what does he figure out to do? He holds that serpent to the to the air, right. which is that spiritual ether, right? Which closer we get, the higher we get to the air, the higher we get to that God, universal life force energy, whatever, whatever source you like to use there. What are we distilling from this serpent? This isn't physical illusion. This is spiritual illusion, okay? What are you working towards through this whole spiritual discovery is getting connected to that OG, the original generator universal life force, okay? You don't want any, we're, we're gonna get representations from mythology. There's gonna be other gods and we can learn from them. You need to get back to the original source of life, okay? There is not, the lowercase g's, are not the universal life force energy. You can utilize them as guides, but you need to get back to the source. And that's what we're kind of seeing here. And that's what we're understanding. So bring that spiritual insight, bring that spiritual illusion up to that highest universal life force energy. Right. And this is really important. You know, this is this is a big part of the process of spiritual discovery is connecting to that universal life force. And this is this is a a red pill for a lot of people because there's levels to this. And we're going to really get into this with Gnosticism, with the Demiurge. Um, but so many of us kind of follow false gods when there's only one universal life force energy. Um, and that's what you're trying to connect to, right? To that true void, which is the source of everything, where everything that kind of comes from. And there is going to be a lot of deception there. Um, a lot of people want to be gods, but there's only one universal life force. And that's what you tap into. And that's what you want to connect to. And the only way you can do that is by blending these polar opposites of yourself together, right? It's that coming together. It's the androgynous nature that we're working towards in this Gemini of the combination of that solar energy and the lunar, the masculine component of our consciousness and that feminine merging together. And that's where our power comes. And that's where our wisdom comes. And that's where we finally get spiritual eyes to see clarity. And we can kind of stop maybe not falling for some new age bullshit, right. which is a thing. You know, there is a lot of false ideologies out there that are very destructive. Um, and again, some of them are just by chance. Some of them are by design. You know, it's part of that Gemini. And what they'll do is in some of these, and again, when I speak about the new age, there's so many good new age authors out there and you know who you are, but there is some that are fueled by deception um, by the organizations that they belong to. And what they'll do is they'll pack a lot of gold nuggets in there and then they'll drop in some solipsism. You know, they'll drop in some ideas that aren't universal and they'll just, they can be very kind of selfish and things like this, where what we're really kind of seeing with this deeper thing is it's, it's not as selfish of the persona. It's, it's the higher self that we get connected to. And then we become more objective and we can be able to serve more, but there's a lot of dead end philosophies out there that have been created. And so what this is asking you to do is to raise those to the sky and get some spiritual clarity on this. And this is something you want to do all the time because this serpent is always going to reappear. And so there's always going to be test of, can you see through the illusion? Right. And I think seeing through illusion is probably the biggest, 
is one of the most difficult things to us just because we're so bombarded with, um, you know, so bombarded with um, supposed direction and influence. Um, but seeing through that illusion is so important because you truly have the ability to create your own destiny. But the problem is, is you're highly suggestible and you don't even know how much deception that you are actually consenting to things because you're not seeing the deception that's happening. Um, and we'll kind of get into this with natural law and we'll really go deeper into this on the patron and the membership because certain things we can't talk about um, on these airwaves. But this is really, really important. You don't, you know, when we're deceived, what happens is we actually consent to things because when it comes down to it, nobody can actually force you to do anything. We don't realize how much we consent to and we consent to things because of this deception. And so raising this serpent up to the sky, getting that universal clarity on this, this is the only way to approach spirituality. You can't just approach something because it's comfortable. Right. It fits your box of what you want reality to be. Because if you, if it fits your, if it, you make a box of what reality is, well, you're back in a cube. You know, the matrix has got you. Um, and so that's something that we really have to be aware of. Um, always testing your limits, you know? Right. Well, that is, this is a great segue as to like how he misses the whole point. I mean, yes, you're using both sides. You are summoning the right and the left hand in this case, and in raising the serpent above the ground. And he finds his success from, you know, raising the serpent off the ground. And therefore he passes the second test, but quickly fails to recognize that it's not the physical act of raising the serpent above the ground, but more of the internal understanding of how, and therefore he goes back <laughs> to square one without knowing it, but with a false sense of confidence, which we completely talk about on this podcast. We, we've you know unfolded this multiple times that you might have had the right physical action that was needed to be taken, but without the internal realization, you're still back to square one. And that's what's happened to here to our hero as he's walking with this sense of confidence onto the next, you know, but you already know, as you read the story, this idea of onto the next is still incorrect as he's heading south still, or no, now he's going to head west, I think. Right, where the sun sets. And it's like, okay, yeah. so you thought that by then he would say, oh, no, no, oh, I see the lesson. Mm -hmm. I must turn back and go north. Right. But that's not where it goes, so. Right, because the lack of awareness and the perception of what gave me the idea to lift that snake to the sky. Exactly. You know, it was always oh, just my strength and I had to hold exactly. it up here. Exactly. Missing that connection, missing yes. that yes. communication, which is this internal communication, which is this Gemini aspect, okay? Gemini is not going to just be external communication, very much is internal communication. And, you know, what part of ourselves are we listening to? Are we listening to that lower persona or are you listening right. to that higher aspect and that's and that's so important and you're right so he's like happy and go lucky and he's just like on his way now um with this new courage and he goes west um which is again very important for the idea that the sun sets in the west um we're really looking for a new beginning here um rather than the end and so we're going to kind of see how this is going to kind of almost further deceive us. And again, how we kind of take our first spiritual awakening as enlightenment. 
um, which again is a very dangerous thing, you know, because right. it is the first time you connect to spirituality, that time that that, that individual spoke to me and said, God is energy. I felt like a million dollars for the next two weeks. Like everything was happening. I was just like green light and it was like green. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it's all happening. Well, what happened like two weeks later after that, I probably got hit in the face so hard with life, right? And then all of a sudden I'm like back at square one. And I was just like, well, I thought I was this universal being. Like what happened? It was just like, yeah, I gave you a taste of it. But do you think I'm just going to let you bathe in the waters that the mystic bathe in? No, I touched your toes. Like, are, are you serious? Like, come on. Right. Like I gave you, you opened up for this energy for that moment. So that universal life force poured in a little bit and gave me a whisper of what my potential could be. And so now it's just like, no, you got to do work. Like, look at like look at the opportunity you were given here. And how have you spent it up to this point with like beer pong, traveling the world, but not looking for significant things, but more just to get into shenanigans. And like, yeah, you were good at shenanigans, but that's not what you were here for, Daniel. You were here for something different, something much higher than that. But again, it loves me so much that it's just like, but if you want to spend your life here, you know, and move from the beer pong table to the fancy bar to eventually end up at the dive bar to be, you know, in your sixties, just being that guy at the jukebox. Who's like talking to himself. Like you can do that. Like it's the world is yours. You know what I mean? But there's a higher destiny. So if you actually want to bathe in this mystic water that you just got of a whisper in, you got to kind of keep going on this and you got to keep going on this process. And that's, and that's what happens. So he's all happy and go lucky because he made this, this jump, but here comes the rest of the test, right. right? And we find ourselves in that all the time. Right. And this is, you know, number three of the five that he, he goes through upon this labor is the meat of it for me. Um, I just think it's interesting. You know, you have these two moments that he encounters that could have at least turned him around, but they don't as he heads west with confidence now and in the, obviously in the wrong direction. This is one of the, of the, of the five tests that really sort of like took me by surprise. I had no idea that he would have to encounter not only this um, process, but also how far it would take him away from the journey of finding this tree that he was once, you know, looking for. So uh, vigorously now he's completely like gone, you know, in a complete, um, in a direction that does not serve him. Uh, at all. And so with this confidence, there's this arrogance once again, that sort of blinds him to truth. And so it says here, you know, uh, this is how his, his steps are delayed, you know, for, for he meets Basiris, um, you know, the, the son of, I think it's Poseidon. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as he meets this, this Titan, this, this idea that he, um, uh, he claims to know the truth with the quickness they believe. He speaks fair words saying, I am the teacher, quote, to me is given knowledge of the truth and sacrifice for me. Accept the way of life through me. I know, but no one else. My truth is right. All other truth is wrong and false. Hark my words, stay with me and be saved, quote. And I just think right there, you can, I mean, if he was quick enough, he would understand everything we were just talking about. With this third test, the first test was the true teacher appearing and the, and the student was blind. 
The second test is actually a spiritual success without the acknowledgement of the spiritual inspiration that came that led to that success. So the third step is going to be the alignment to a false teacher. And it's this exact thing that we were kind of speaking about with this deception. And this is really important because Poseidon shows up and this is the son of Poseidon. Poseidon in astrological correspondences has a connection with the planet Neptune. Um, wherever Neptune shows in your chart, whatever house it is in, it's a capacity for great transfer- transformation. And it's also a capacity for great illusion. Poseidon, Neptune, the planet that is correlated with Poseidon, the sign of Pisces, the 12th house, uh, they play by nobody's rules. It's, it's deep illusion. It is very hard for you to perceive. And with this kind of an illusion, it's, it's, it's almost like you almost change your relationship to Neptune. There's not much we can do to change it. It's more getting that clarity and that spiritual insight to not act on everything that Neptune tells us, but to put it through that, um, kind of more that analytical and spiritual process to see if we are actually seeing things for what they truly are. But Neptune rules illusions. It's the sleight of hand, right? right? And that's exactly what's happening here. But if we were connected to our spiritual selves and somebody came up to you and was saying, I have all the answers, everybody else is trash. I'm the spiritual teacher. You have to follow me. Well, that's never gonna, that's never gonna pan out well. Okay. That's, that's kind of more of a cult mentality. And again, I think a lot of great spiritual organizations get classified as cults, right? So that's definitely a term that can be um, misused and kind of create its own illusion. But you're going to see this. I mean, just listening to, like, there's some amazing esoteric teachers on YouTube, um, and they'll give amazing insight, but then they'll talk about how, like, everybody else is wrong. And you're like, so everybody else is wrong, and you're the only one that's right, you know? But again, does that make me not listen to these spiritual teachers, like these people who are giving esoteric information? No, I'm totally listening to it. But I don't have to buy in everything, right? I don't have to align myself to them, where this individual forces Hercules to. You know, he says, like, pretty much bow down to me. Basically. Right? This is what was so big in Game of Thrones. When, and again, I wasn't... I think it was during the time when we were all um, universally grounded and we were stuck at home. Um, the individual I was with at the time was like a big TV person. And it was like, oh, we have all this time. Let's watch this show. You're always breaking stuff esoterically down. There was a lot of, um, there was some esoteric um, stuff that kind of came in that show, but um, a lot of illusion, you know, a lot of deception as well. But one of the big things was, it was really a big deal for characters to bend a knee for other people. And people would sacrifice their life not to bend the knee. It's because you only bend the knee to one force. Right. There's no man, there's no woman, there's no whatever pronoun you know, you're know you comfortable with. You don't bend your knee to anybody. You only bend your knee to this universal life force. So if somebody's coming around who's a spiritual teacher and tells you to bend their knee to them, you can kind of fake the need and then like uppercut them, you know, like Mortal Kombat style. And I mean, don't like actually physically hurt them, but no, you don't have to do that. You don't bend the knee to anybody. Um, And again, we'll kind of get into this, but this is important for this life and the next life. Um, 
you know, when it comes to the idea of like how you handle death, you know, there's, there's big things to be done there. You only bend the knee and you are only, you are from the universal life force. And that's something you want to work with in that process. And again, this is stuff we'll talk much more about on the memberships because, um, this isn't quite the quite the way air raves to be able to uh, to talk about this, but it's very important. You bend the knee to no man, no woman, no organization. You only bend the knee to this universal life force. And he makes the mistake of bending the knee to not this universal life force. And so if you bend your knee to material, you're going to die with the material, right? If you bend your knee to the spiritual everlasting, you're going to live everlasting with that spiritual, you know, but... Again, finding the right source of that universal life energy is uh, is very important. Um, and he kind of makes that mistake, you know, he, he kind of falls into that facade. Um, and it's easy to do. You know, there's people that can be very charismatic, you know, and they can swoo you and they give you this unique kind of energy. But after a while, it starts to kind of wane a bit, you know, and it starts to kind of to kind of settle. And there was actually a, a documentary that was done where somebody faked being a guru. He faked his whole backstory, came to America. It was actually done in Phoenix. Um, it was actually, one of the scenes was actually shot at that, uh, you know, that Chakra 4, that place I worked at, that was like the restaurant plus, because um, they bought into it. But his whole thing was, it's like, at the very end, he's just like, I'm not a guru you're your own guru. And everybody got super upset because they were like, oh no, you were you were the ultimate teacher. And he's just like, no, this whole thing was for you to know that like, I didn't do anything. Like I did, I had nothing. Like this was, this was you. They responded much differently. Some of them took it for the failure it was supposed to be and learned from it. It was just like, oh, actually this guru actually taught me more than probably any other guru would have taught me because they actually like woke it up inside me that it's about me and finding it internally. But some of them didn't handle failure correctly, you know? And so- that's what we're kind of looking at in this aspect of this this false teacher who anybody who makes this claim as it's my way or the highway, and it's not that OG universal life force, well, approach that with caution. And it's not saying you can't take things from them, um, but just approach it with caution. Right. I mean, he 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 literally lets his guard down enough to where rather than going internal, the external is weakened within him as he's bound to you know, this altar, as is, as it's said, you know, mm -hmm. worshiping this, this individual. And as time goes on, he finally starts to see for himself that, you know, what this man has once said and the things that he adored that he has said, you know, can be found not only um, within himself, but without having to be bound to this altar and worshiping this individual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when, you know, our hero decides to, you know, really kind of take a look and decides to make a uh, a step to get himself out of this mm -hmm. situation, right? So, yeah, no, absolutely, yep, absolutely, man. And again, what do you bow down to? And it's not just people, you know. Um, you know, exoteric religion could have this effect. You know, the blind following of material kind of pseudoscience that we present today, um, money can have this kind of bound, you know, isn't it funny that you give, you know, you have the work week. What does the week make you weak? Right. You know, because you're not buying, you're not, you're not kneeling to the right energy. You're not serving that higher self. And so you feel weakened from this. And that's exactly what Hercules finds is 
he's starting to feel weakened from this energy. He's starting to feel like his energy is getting pulled from him, where really spiritual development should be the incubation of that internal fire energy kind of making its way out, right? Well, he breaks, he breaks from those, from, you know, this altar that he's bound to. And, you know, he's finally, uh, you know, realizing after a year that, you know, with, with the strength that he has left, you know, he must break free and which he does and takes the false teacher, ties him to the altar and leaves him to be, and to take on his own wisdom and his own preaching for himself as he finds himself freed of this you know as you were talking about kneeling to a false prophet or a false uh guru or someone that he shouldn't have just sort of left himself completely to uh to become weakened for um his ignorance of of just putting all of it into one individual that claims to have all truth and that is when the teacher from afar that's watching you know says and then here it quotes it says noted the moment of release and turning to uh Nerus, he says the third and great test is past you taught him how to meet it and in due time he profited let him go forward on the way and learn the secret of success absolutely right? and yeah and again the distilling of spiritual information right so you might not get the quite response that you want from somebody when you might talk to them about a principle but again, this presiding one is telling us that it's all in its own time. It's all in its own unfoldment. So you might say something, internal realization to somebody until like five years down the line, right? But that that was still important for you know you to express. And they might have not just been ready for it then, but it's a distillation process. There's a lot of stuff that, you know, when I approach like a new subject, and again, we kind of spoke about this on the Patreon, but a lot of times there's like this long distilling process where I'm like very internal and I have to kind of think about it. And it's more of this like drip, but the drips of this internal insight are highly concentrated when they happen, but it's not all at once. It's not right. always going to be this can opener. Sometimes you're planting a seed that's going to blossom in the next season, but don't just plant the seed, look at the ground and then kick the ground because a plant didn't appear immediately. Yeah. Well said. I like that. As he leaves this, this third test, you know, he is, obviously wiser from his mistakes and as he carries on you no longer hear of this arrogance and this confidence as he was before in the last two tests prior to being trapped into the third you know which was him being bound to this altar so now as he as he walks back to his purpose you know trying to find this tree we find him confronted with this cry right and and this is something that I thought was interesting that Alice Bailey brings up that, you know, in Greek mythology, at least they still continue to keep, which is the story of how he comes up across this individual who is crying in agony. And that is Prometheus, mm -hmm. who has been punished, right? And I think in the story, he's been punished by Zeus mm -hmm. uh, for giving the fire to mm -hmm. mankind, you mm -hmm. know, the fire of the gods to mankind. And in his punishment, which is a grueling one, he is chained to a rock. To where the vulture and i think sometimes it's an eagle that devours his liver which can regenerate overnight only to be tortured and have the vultures you know pick out his liver mm -hmm. once again every day and here our hero or hercules comes across the screams or the cries of agony that are coming from prometheus and you know it, it's it's hercules 
sort of i mean has nothing to do in this in this regard to him looking for the tree he's not going to prometheus to find out where to find this tree he only goes with the idea of helping his fellow brother escape agony by killing the vultures and or the eagle uh whatever's in the myth that you've you know found yourself in and freeing prometheus Mm -hmm. and from there um well, we can go ahead and, and, and sort of open up to what, what this really means with this, um, you know, because this is a loss of his time once again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like by going on to this sort of like need to save his fellow brother or once again getting further away from finding this this tree and completing the task that he once embarked on. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there's a reason why he's he's actually finding himself with this sort of tremendous amount of empathy perfect yeah, uh, for a, a fellow uh distressed individual in this case prometheus right and again we've you know we've whispered the story of prometheus with our lucifer episode um it will definitely go deeper into this this ex, this aspect of the punishment that we go through because we have this universal fire within us and we don't because we don't express this universal fire in its true way, it gets contained in this material reality, and we feel like we're burning in hell. Because all hell is is spiritual spiritual fire trapped in this material realm. And the same fire that should be creating our spiritual ascension is actually burning us alive, right? And mm-hmm. that's so we feel this pain of Prometheus. And you know, Prometheus, Lucifer, Jesus, Zeus, like these are not external things. These are all happening inside of you, right? These are all different representations of these different like dualities that you have. And it's like the merging together of them. And so, you know, what we see with Hercules is again, what isn't said in this story, but the biggest thing through this whole process of spiritual discovery, he has now planted the seeds of spiritual fruits that you cannot learn in a book or just by studying a symbol, you learn empathy by developing empathy, by understanding that we are all universally one, you don't want to see another living thing in pain. And so this is a higher aspiration. This isn't just learning the key facts of an astrological sign. That's not going to give you empathy. Empathy is done through experience and actually seeing the true fruit of what this whole aspect is in its service. It's service exactly. to the higher self, as soon as you know, to the universe, and of course, service to the other living individuals. You know what I mean? Because life serves life, and that's what he's coming across. And so in his mind, he thinks that this is actually a um, keeping him from his journey. But truly, it's the biggest process of his journey. Exactly. How many times do we get mad because we think something's universally blocking us of what we're supposed to be doing when we're kind of in that mode, we're kind of taking that idea of the arrogant Lucifer who is just thinks that they know their own destiny. Like, you know what you want, but you don't know what you need. And so the need is presented right in front of him. And he could get frustrated about this, right. stomp his feet and have a temper tantrum, or he could just go into this mode of service and he doesn't realize that he's actually serving his higher self. And this is really when we're really starting to see empathy come up because he doesn't know Prometheus. You know, like we saw him have sadness when his his early friend passed away, but that was a direct connection he had. That was his best friend from childhood, right? So now we have Prometheus who 
he is just helping because he sees another living organism in pain and he wants to relieve that pain. And that's what we're going to kind of see with this with this Prometheus service. And we're starting to see the spiritual blossoming of empathy, you know, care, and truly understanding the role that life has, um, which is this, which is this highest aspect. And what are we, what are we opening up to this whole story is that heart. It's just whispering and that heart whispers. And it's just going to kind of keep doing that as we go, but that voice is going to get louder. So in Gemini, we start hearing this soft universal whisper, which we spoke about with the story of Lucifer is the voice of a baby. And the thing is, is Lucifer is just like, Oh, how does a baby, you know, universally know? But actually, when we connect to it, this intuition is a soft talking voice to us. It's not this, you know, if we want to have it be this ravaged, aggressive voice, it will be. But it truly wants to speak to us in a soft, loving tone. And that's why you want to connect to yourself in a soft, loving tone, because that's how it wants to communicate with you. Exactly. Right. And actually, I think that the story lends itself very beautifully. I think that, you know, we, we, we tried to, and we're doing this together obviously breaking down the understanding of this story through Alice Bailey, through Greek mythology, through all the signs that are being placed there. But even in the most basic way of the story being told of this journey of the five different tests that he goes through, when you approach this fourth, which is him saving Prometheus, you can drop everything that you may be questioning and maybe taking notes on or trying to figure out and de- um, uh, not the occult, but sort of just try to figure out the deeper meaning behind the lesson. Very, very, very simply, when he serves his fellow man, you can feel it in just the story. If you were to tell the story to a child that, wow, the, the strong and mighty Hercules has a heart, mm-hmm. has always had a heart. We know that, but he's listened to the whispers of that heart. And he immediately becomes even more likable in the story. I mean, even if you just hear it from a basic Greek mythology, they even still personify him there There in that um, exoteric story of how he saves Prometheus. They still keep that essence in there, which is him saying the words that, you know, you must not suffer. You've only, you've, I think you've been chained for 30 years or something like mm-hmm. that. I forget how long Prometheus is chained there. But just the act of hearing it in the story already makes you feel what he must be feeling, which is, again, this tremendous need to serve and Mm -hmm. also the empathy that he has for his fellow brother. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's just so awesome because like it already gives you in this journey a little bit more of a sense of respect for our hero and realize that you're kind of not even concerned so much about the golden apples in the tree. You're sort of like, wow, like he's really just kind of finding such a path in his life right now to becoming this higher self that he was meant to be from the beginning as neurosis trying to show him, but he's doing it on his own. So you're right. kind of already clapping sort of for him. You're like, Hey, you know, right. so I, I think it's just awesome. Man. It's just a great, great story. But no. And that's, I think it's so good, man, because I mean, as cliche as it sounds, we're really starting to see this aspect of the reward is the journey. Right. You know what I mean? And like, we, again, we have all of these, these setup things of this is what I want, but we have to see like what presents in front of us. And this is always a classroom. We're always being, you know, we're always being tested. And this is exactly what happened with Prometheus. And, you know, we have this, this, this development of empathy and even deeper, you know, talking about how Prometheus is chained 
with the fire of the gods bringing down to man. What did we just talk about with burning in hell? Like we are Prometheus chained up, having our livers being eaten at every day when we are stuck in this aspect of not freeing this universal life force that's within us, not discovering it, not going on this journey. Right. And so Hercules is not only freeing Prometheus, he's freeing us, right? Right. And we're freeing Prometheus and we're guiding Hercules. It's all, all the story is happening within you. And it's, it's a very huge component to kind of look at. Um, but it's, it's everything that's kind of making itself compounded and put in front of us. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it is definitely one of the these you know these very interesting components and not only did he free him but he tends him back to health right we have ultimate you know brotherly sisterly universal love here we're starting to see unconditional love now it's just a flash because unconditional love is is in its wholeness is almost impossible for us to approach in this human form, right? right? Now we can definitely work our way towards it. And I'm not saying that it's impossible, um, but unconditional love is, it's easier said than done. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's very easy to say that I have unconditional love, but like then all of a sudden, you know, you start acting on it. You start to see how you get selfish, you know, you get possessive. Um, you try to guide people, you know, um, and unconditional love, like we said, with that universal life force, like, unconditional love is like the universe loves you so much that it will let you keep failing because it loves you too much not to exactly you know because it's it knows what you are so it knows if it helps you you will never be the true dancing star that it needs you to be so it's just like i i I, if you want to play in the mud like just keep playing in the mud but we can't come down there you know give you we can give you insights and flashes but you got to do the work. You got to climb this ladder. And and we're starting to see Hercules do this. Um, yeah, he doesn't even talk about the time he's lost on this path to the tree. Like yeah. not even once does he mention as he's bringing him to um, to good health, him being Prometheus. You know what I mean? That, that takes time. It takes effort. It takes unconditional uh, love as you're talking about to be able to aid someone back to, to well-being and there's not a, a even a small hint of him saying like, oh, I'm completely derailed now from the path to the tree. Right. In which, again, the fourth stage is completed as, you know, the great teacher says, watching from afar, quote, the fourth stage on the way onto the sacred tree is passed. Absolutely. And it was through service, right? And so that's what we're approaching, service, which is going to be this this huge thing. And, and again, you know, with... Um, and I know we say natural law a lot, and I love that you guys are all independently researching this. You will come through the natural law teachers who will tell you that service is not part of the natural code of this universe. And they will make all of these explanations of how it's like, you know, it's eaten or getting eaten, like eating or getting eaten, which is very true. But if we look deeper into nature, we can see acts of service. Now, it might not be a conscious service on most parts, but the tree serves the squirrel for giving it a home, right? It gives shade, right? You have these big whales that animals kind of, you know, eat off of their sides. Like there, there's actually a lot of service that happens in the universe. And my favorite subject is obviously like dolphins. So as you go higher up consciousness, you see more acts of service coming from animals, 
right? From the higher the consciousness is, the more touch they are to service. So if somebody in the natural law community is telling you that service is not a thing and there's no such thing as any kind of, you know, service to another, just think about the aspect of like how dolphins respond to humans, um, how dolphins have actually been known to like fight off predators of humans because they see us as mammals. There's a connection here. And even how a dolphin can actually like assist in the pregnancy and the birthing of a human baby, which is the one of the most fascinating things in the world. But the if you're in the ocean and there's actually places you can do this, I don't know if they're open anymore because um, I think they got like from whatever organization that was like, no, you have to do this in like a, a sterile hospital and we have to like spank your baby. Um, I think they shut them down for the most part, but the dolphins naturally take over childbirth. They push the person out of the way. They start circling, they send energy to it. And it's supposed to be this like really pleasant, beautiful process that actually happens. Um, we do see service. It's just a hierarchy of consciousness that's able to serve. So if you want to be stuck in that animal nature, neglect service. If you want to graduate out of that animal nature, embrace service and see what it truly is. And understand that when you serve others, you are serving yourselves, you know, and it's this whole unique kind of connection. But again, just be aware. And I'm saying if there's a natural law teacher who's saying that, I'm not saying everything that they're saying is bad, but just you're going to hear bold statements where people are like, you're too nice. You can't be giving. This is a cutthroat society, you know, um, take what's yours. You know, a lot of people will say like, hey, this whole thing is deception start deceiving people. Most powerful people in the world deceive and look at what they have. They have the cars, the money. Why aren't you deceiving people? Well, because you're at the spiritual point that you're like, that's not how I want to live because I'm not an animal. I'm a, you know, I'm the universe. I'm that dancing star. Right. You know what I mean? So again, there's so much good information, but we just want to make sure that we're understanding that there's, there's levels to everything. And yeah. so service, we're starting to approach now higher aspects of consciousness that can only be found with the higher parts of consciousness in this human nature that we, in this animal kingdom, mother nature that we find ourselves in. No, and that's beautiful because again, we've we've seen this this brute side of Hercules, this power, this strength. I mean, even how he's drawn in history books throughout time. You know, it's all about the muscle, and it's all about mm -hmm. the personification of strength but the strength that he's starting to unfold is the only one that matters which is within and it's that higher self that he's actually starting to sort of you know go into but also you know have no hesitation to operate from you know what i mean which again it's this isn't a great defeat with his you know physical strength but more so with his emotional and uh, intellectual intellectual strength that serves him for the greater good of finding his purpose. And in this case, the purpose being the golden apples that he will retrieve as we move into the final step. Absolutely. You know, and so I think that, you know, our heroes has come, has come a long way, but here towards, um, you know, his, his journey from you know, north to south to west and then east, you know, he finds himself, you know, um, not defeated, but, you know, eventually as he's gone so far and he has not been able to find this tree, there is the day that comes where he hears a rumor of of where the tree might be in this distant mountain. And as he sets forth, you know, with joy and actual, you know, uh, uh, 
this like sort of vigor to conquer the dragon and, you know, meet the maidens that protect the, the tree and pluck the apples, he once again finds himself with another fellow Titan, another fellow distressed brethren along the way. And this brethren that he, that we're talking about here is Atlas. And he's mm -hmm. confronted with the agony of Atlas. Now Atlas, as you guys already know, or if you didn't know, the man who carries or bears the weight of, of the sky, the heaven of the world. Mm -hmm. And as he sees the stress on Atlas, as he sees the pain on Atlas, he once again can't help himself but to, you know, already operate from that place of empathy and servitude and having this way of exchanging something uh, for one that is obviously in, in dire need of, of assistance. And so Hercules volunteers to take the weight of the world off of Atlas. And in this unselfish act, you know, Atlas, who, if you didn't know, surprise is the father of the three maidens that, you know, have the apples, you know, has this exchange to where he goes and sees his daughters and is able to, you know, not only visit with his daughters, but his daughters come to, to, to knowing in the story in general, not just from, um, Alice Bailey, that it was Hercules that relieved the father or Atlas from this punishment. And they were once again, reunited with their father which the maidens express not only gratitude, but they actually explain how the only way to come in contact with them and to receive these golden apples was to always come with this full sense of love and compassion. And only then you will meet the maidens, mm -hmm. something Hercules wasn't intending to do in order to retrieve the apples, which then Atlas gives to Hercules. Mm -hmm. Such a good story. Absolutely. No, man, it's so perfect, you know? And, isn't it just so interesting that he finds this sacred tree, you know, just beyond a mountain in the east. And so the east, new dawn, it's a new day. We have this new birth happening mm -hmm. of, of Hercules. Because what we're doing here is Ares and Taurus, Ares being this fiery masculine outward doing energy, right? Taurus being this internal feminine energy. And we're having the blending together. And so now we're taking the opposites and blending them together. We're making the new creation. One, two, three. This, just the third step. Just Gemini being the third sign is so important with the Trinity. So we are on this new day. This new birth has arised. And Hercules is very much reburned when he goes to the east and goes back to the source of where the light comes from. And that's where this connection is going to be. And you did a great way of explaining it because we reach this higher understanding and the spiritual insight through service. And we'll really, in the next, um, the next episode, really talk about who this service is to, because it is to the universe, um, but ultimately it's it's to your higher self, which is your connection to the universe. Right. And that's what we're going to be really looking to kind of unfold and um, progress through. But again, it was it was this empathy. It was this aspect of, if I feel pain when I stub my toe, that means you also feel pain when you stub your toe. And there's a huge connection that kind of comes from that. You know, it... You know, it as we all know how like tough pain can be. So it hurts us when we see other people in pain. And this is the same thing. Like you can see strangers at a restaurant so excited to see each other that you just start smiling. 
You know what I mean? Because it just like connects to you. We're all, you know, no individual is an island. And that's what we're starting to learn here. Um, and that's what we're kind of connecting to. And it's this aspect of service to these higher hierarchies of consciousness um, that we're tapping into and we're kind of getting connected to. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it was such a, such a interesting fruit to be plucked from this. Um, the fruit of experience. Right. Right. You know, and just the idea of the apple, you know, um, and the apple biting of the apple is what's interesting is that's what put us on the island. Right. Was the biting of the apple put us on the island. But that same apple is what makes us go deep in the sea and see that that island is actually connected to all the other land masses. Right. But we have to go deep into the intuition. We have to go deep into that intuitive aspect of ourselves. And then we could kind of find it. It's like the pearl in that story that we talk about. Like you have to go yeah. into the waters to kind of um, find that pearl. But at first, that apple is going to make us feel separate, you know? And it does. Cause yeah, does the apple have the key to the wisdom of good and evil? Absolutely. But what is that evil that kind of comes from that? Well, that's the attachment to form. And not seeing the higher aspects of this, you know, an apple etymology and in, in its etymological sense just represents fruit. And what fruit is going to let you know is fruit has flesh. One of the things, uh, I don't mean to gross out my, uh, my vegan and vegetarian, um, you know, individuals on this journey with us. But we're all flesh eaters. It's part of this duality that we find ourselves in. And now it might be hard to accept, but even if you eat the flesh of a vegetable or a fruit, you're still eating flesh. Um, this is this is important for us to understand that, like, you know, energy gets sacrificed for you to move forward. So everything has to be sacrificed in this in this realm, and so. What we're kind of looking at with this idea of this apple and this kind of this connection of flesh is if you're going to have to sacrifice things, what are you going to do with that energy of what got sacrificed? Do you honor the apple or the, you know, the grass fed beef that you ate? Like, are you giving thanks to it so you can go on your journey? You know, are you giving thanks for that? Because when we talk about service, and I think we might have spoke about this on the podcast or on the membership page. Um, if you watch like the National Geographic, right, and you see like that that situation of like the gazelle maybe getting taken down by like a cheetah, there's always a moment of fear. But then there's the moment where, and it could just be like the adrenaline that's rushing through the gazelle when it's gotten taken down. But it it actually looks like the gazelle's at peace towards the end of it because. The gazelle knows that it's serving something greater than even itself, and it did its natural process because now it's giving energy to this to this energy, you right. know. Um, and again, it's hard for us to to think in that realm. But are you honoring all the things that have to be sacrificed for you to keep going on this journey? Do you keep that in mind as you go through your day? Do you give thanks for that like string cheese that you got from the gas station? Like, I don't know what you eat, but like, <laughs> do you give thanks to that stuff? You know, and like. Right, right. Really give a blessing to it of like, thank you for the sacrifice because 
you're going to be sacrificed at one point too. You're going to be the food for the earth. You know, like everybody thinks we, you know, harvest the plants, but we're actually the farms, like the trees are actually our farmers because like they're just waiting. It's like a long game con game for them. They're like, oh yeah, yeah. Keep like cutting us down. But earth at the end of the day, we're going to eat you. Like your body is our nutrition, you know? And so it's part of the sacrifice. Are you honoring the sacrifices that have been made for you and that you have to take to kind of keep going through this process? And it's not an evil thing because we all have to eat kind of some kind of flesh and kind of, there has to be some kind of sacrifice, but it will give us better insight of our direction. It will give us better insight of our intention if we understand just how special this experience of being this dancing star is. Um, and you, the, the choice between shining and burning out is entirely on you. And I'm not saying that there's not unforeseen death and things like that. Um, but with the time that you were giving, with that TikTok that's always in the background, this is, it's what you do with that. What's going to depend if you shine or not, you know? And this is why we keep sacrifice in the back of our mind. Death should be your best friend. Every morning you should wake up and you should say, good morning. Good morning means good dying. I'm dying for every breath I take. That's one less breath I have left. Do we honor death correctly? Death should always be in your real view mirror. Mm-hmm. You will not sacrifice. You will not bend your knee to energy. You don't have to bend your knee to. You will only honor the most high if you actually took death seriously, right? Not be afraid of death and not be paranoid, but like, how do you know when your time is? Right. You know? And so honoring that aspect that everything is going to be sacrificed here. Not only do we bear the fruits and eat the fruits, but we will also be the fruits. And living that way and living accordance to that is the way to kind of process this. And that's, the universe wants you to take this seriously. It wants you to, it, life gets a little bit intense because it wants you to have intention, you know? Because it's got a big plan for you. Like, that's the thing. The universe is just like, we're all like, it's like, oh, you're a star, baby. Like, just be it. So it sees like, it's like the person who sees like all the potential in you and you're not doing it. And they're just like, but I just, I just see your name in lights. And like, you're just fantastic. You do whatever it is you need to do. And you're the best at this. Like, there's one thing in this universe that you are the best at. Nobody can duplicate you. Nobody, even if somebody tried to copy what you did, it would just be, you know, it would just be a facade. It would just be, um, it would just be a reproduction. It could never be what your true essence is. Um, it will always come a little bit short. And that's what it's looking for you to do. And that's what we're kind of approaching with this idea of Apple and just understanding what that is and how that kind of operates kind of within us. If that makes sense, that was quite the tangent. I love the tangent, man. Uh, kudos to you because again, making space and making room for the things that we want to express from our interpretations um, from any of these mytholo- mythological or um, esoteric tales um, is is just like, I feel like you find gold in all that. And so when I get to hear your interpretation and what you might call a tangent, you know, you're speaking something that not only I feel or resonates with me, but I hope it does for the listener. And there's so much that we haven't even unfolded from this entire lesson. But again, who was to say that when we started uh, breaking down this third labor, we would, you know, ourselves gain the knowledge that the story is actually providing for us in order to reinterpret and express 
what is really being felt here. And so I think it's pretty awesome that that's exactly what just occurred with your tangent here. So, but I digress, man. I know that you, that we have a lot to break down with this. And again, we just scratched the surface. We just went into the story itself and the tests that Hercules must go um, through without, um, you know, without, uh, I'm sorry, with the understanding of, of each of the five tests um, that make him, you know, complete the labor. And so the part two, which I'm really excited is not just the nature of the tests and the symbols that are involved here, but the very, very lengthy and uh, intense understanding of what the gathering of the apples of Hesper of Hesperides, sorry, uh, really means with the idea of Gemini. And right. I think that that's what the second episode that we're going to be breaking down um, in this labor is is going to be really um, focused on. And so I'm really excited for for part two of this. Um, you know, I know we've already spent quite a, a bit of time here, um, but it's so important. I'm just so, I'm actually very, I could keep going if you're ready to keep going, but I know that we have to kind of turn away and come back. And so um, is there anything else you want to add to the end of this, of part one? Isn't it just so funny how like, you know, when you owed to planets, they, I mean, in these signs, they like respond through you. So like Gemini, all about communication. Like we literally could talk about this forever. Oh yeah. You know, like we had to stop it at one point and you were like, Hey, we're already at this. And like, what? Like we already spoke that much, but it's Gemini. It's making its appearance, you know? And it's like coming out and it's just like, did somebody say my name? And it kind (laughs) of comes out, you know? And this is how you want to operate with these. Like if people are like, Oh, I'm not, you know, I, I don't have, that discipline energy. Well, it's just like, well, call on Capricorn, you know, like pull in that energy, you know, that's why, again, when we're kind of doing this aspect, you might be like, I'm not really interested in Gemini because I don't have a lot of energy in Gemini. Well, like your third house might have a lot of energy, you know, which is the house of Gemini, or you probably communicated with somebody once in your life. It might be kind of freaking important to look into, you know? So again, this thing is incorporating all these energies within us, right? And one of the big things that, again, we, we've we been kind of diving in on the, the membership page, which is patron for now, but our website is just cruising. We have got a superstar working on it right now who is just straight, just making magic happen. And so we will be having our own private membership page very soon um, where we're going to further go into so many more of these discussions. Um, and again, we are learning this wheel so we can get out of this wheel, okay? We do not learn astrology as the end. Astrology is the key that's the lock, but it's also the key to get out of this lock um, because we don't want to just keep doing this wheel. Right. We want to graduate from it. Same thing with Tarot, same thing with everything. You want to graduate out of this and get back to the, out of the world of duality and back to that to that OG universal life force energy. I love that. The OG universal life energy. I'm going to make a shirt that says just that. Original generator. Original generator. I love that. Um, but that's truly what it is, you know? And so, well, great, man. I uh, I definitely was so excited to have this conversation with you. And yeah. so, you know, on Gemini, isn't it funny how we had so many delays in being able to connect, which is totally with the Mercury retrograde that we're in right now, which is the exoteric ruler of Gemini. And so I think we really kind of covered a lot of the labor this time, and we'll definitely break down the labor for this next time. 
but then also talk about astrological significance of Gemini and most importantly the third house because this is this is fascinating and it really helps you understand if in the first two houses we had like the waking up of consciousness and the realizing that we were a separate entity and that we're going to die the third is we start to notice the things around us and we start to notice what is us apart from our mother and how we're separated from us but what's not us and so we're going to kind of break down the connection of nouns and verbs and how important language is to your discovery of the self. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm all jazzed about this conversation. There will be jazz. Yeah. (laughs) Cool, man. Well, thank you again to all our patron members and to all our listeners, um, to those who have been listening for the beginning or from the beginning, we thank you. And for those who are new, welcome. And, um, yeah, I cannot wait for part two. So I, I can't wait either. Yeah, man. Until next time then. Until next time. All right.